hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. This is Victoria. And this is Travis. God damn it. <laughs> hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. This is Victoria. And this is Travis. And today you're listening to N for NPC. Here on the Dungeon Chatter podcast, uh, we're going to kick it over to, to Dad because <laughs> I don't know the pitch. <laughs> uh, so what we do on the Dungeon Chatter podcast is we discuss aspect of RPG creation mm -hmm. and design. And we progress alphabetically. And um, we're up to N. Uh, and so today what we do is we're going to talk about what the aspect is NPC, mm -hmm. so we're going to explain what an NPC is. Uh, we're going to talk through our pitch, uh, which is um, basically two major questions, like where do you start uh, with NPC design, and when do you have enough uh, for NPC design. And uh, along the way, we'll talk about um, some of our favorite and least favorite NPCs. And um, then we'll do the hack and slash. And um, yeah, then that should be about it. Sounds good. So we begin by discussion of what an NPC is. Um, and that's an abbreviation, and it stands for a non-player character. And this is contrasted with the player characters, or PCs. Uh, the player characters are all of the characters in the story that are controlled by your players, like the people sitting around the table, or on Skype, or whatever. Mm -hmm. And the NPCs are all, almost always uh, controlled by the game master, or the dungeon master, or some kind of artificial intelligency thing. Oh, I see. In, in the case of video games. Yeah, yes. I gotcha. Got it? Mm-hmm. Um, and so our first question here is, um, well, where do we start uh, when we're designing effective NPCs? So um, maybe I should say a little bit more. So if, if you don't play a lot of RPGs, um, then you might not, still not, might not quite get what it is. Uh, but let's just suppose that you're the um, main character in a story and you're a kind of knight or something like that. Um, and in between missions, like where you're going out to kill dragons or something like that, uh, you go to like the local blacksmith and the blacksmith has weapons and equipment um, and you can interact with that blacksmith. Um, so the blacksmith would be an NPC, a non-player character. Um, and arguably the dragon would be a non-player character, and any of the other people you meet along the way. Villains would probably be NPCs, um, aides would be NPCs. Um, if it's a solo game, there's probably only one PC, or the party, uh, the party is controlled as a group uh, by the player, so you get a kind of party of PCs. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, um, we turn to um, effective ways. So where do we start designing effective NPCs. Uh, and so one way to do it is just to come up with a, an interesting intro to the character, so a kind of hook for the character. So the character enters the story in an interesting way. Um, and the plan here is like we're going to go through each of these characteristics and maybe we'll give some examples of where it worked uh, with NPCs in the past. Um, and so uh, I had an idea, mm -hmm. which was um, I ran a campaign uh, that was called Philadelphia. 1989. I can't remember what it was about, but um, that's what it was called. And, okay. Uh, no, it was about Philadelphia 1989, and it was a kind of present-day system, 
um, and that was a system called um, Dunamis, um, and that was a, that was an earlier version of the system that we're using now. Nice. What does Dunamis mean, etymologically? Uh, um, it just means like a, a capacity, okay. like an ability to do something. Um, like dynamic is the word that we get from it. So you're able to do all these interesting things. Um, I don't know if there was a good reason why I was stressing Dunamis. Um, I think it was part of a system where there was like blood magic involved. And so the idea would it be that you would be unlocking your potential along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but we ended up playing this game, Philadelphia 1989, where there was like no magic. So it was just... You know, it ended up being no magic? Interesting. Yeah, there was no magic for this version of it. Um, and so uh, I can't even remember this character's name. And I'm mentioning it because I was the GM. So uh, this character was memorable to me because... Um, my PCs started being really interested in what this character would do, and they would often go and consult this character even when they didn't have to. Um, and the the hook was just a kind of throwaway thing that I did. So um, they had been, uh, the party was investigating um, some crimey stuff that was going on, and they were getting it over their head. And they received a phone call uh, from this particular NPC who was something like a crime boss. And the NPC said to one of the characters on the phone, Look out the window, just to the left, and it was at night. And the character looked out into the in, in, you know into the darkness, um, and saw nothing. And he's like, well, do, "Do I see him?" And I said, "Oh no, no, he's not, <laughs> he's not there or anything." And the the player just thought that was hilarious that the guys that told him to do that for no apparent reason. And then I started having that as the uh, this NPC's um, shtick. He would just tell people to do really <laughs> bizarre stuff. Uh, so when they had their face-to-face meeting with him, uh, the guy hits his uh, intercom and talks to his um, assistant and says, pour two coffees and throw one of them into the garbage uh, and, then, <laughs> and then bring the other one in. And these, these the uh, players love that. Um, and so that made, I think, a memorable NPC. Sounds about right. Um, RPG hooks. Uh, do you have any other um, hook or intro uh, for an NPC that you enjoyed? Uh, I've got a couple actually. Um, so in Bethesda games, I like a lot of the NPCs there, but in, uh, Fallout 4, I was super interested in, um, Nick Valentine, uh, and you can find him in, what's the name? Diamond City, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's just got like a, a really interesting appearance. So if you know the Fallout 4 story generally, hopefully this isn't too many spoilers because he's someone you can find super early on. Uh, but there are these things called synths in Fallout 4, and they're like um, sort of like evil twins of people. Like they will kill people and replace them, and it's a major story plot. Um, and this guy, Nick Valentine, is like an early version of a synth. Um, so he's got like a really messed up looking face, uh, like super messed up, like weird fake skin, but bits of it are missing, so you can just see metal. A beat face, as some would call Beat? His face was pretty beat. <laughs> all right. I, all right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so he's got a really interesting face and a really interesting backstory because he's a known synth uh, who doesn't remember. He remembers the memories of the person he was based off of, but not, like, why he was created or if he had a mission or any of that. Um, so I thought that he was a really interesting hook based on his appearance Um and, like, the information, like, the backstory that he gives you straight away, I thought was a really interesting hook. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, so if you can have a, an interesting hook, I think that's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, you know, we're going to do the hack and slash later, but I'm just reminded that um, there is this idea that you can overdo it with the hooks. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, a character we talked about, so these aren't exactly NPCs because this is a film, but we talked a little bit about the difference between um, the entrance of Phasma in uh, Star Wars, oh, The yeah, Force yeah. Awakens. And, yeah. Um, like, look, cool character, um, awesome actress, uh, yeah. but the character was kind of like forced mm -hmm. in terms, uh, in, yeah. in my view at least. It, she that. seemed especially like designed to be this sort of cool character. Mm -hmm. And I think that alone makes a lot of people resistant to them actually being a cool character. Mm -hmm. And we contrasted that with the entrance of that other, uh, just stormtrooper guy who had the interesting kind of flippy weapon uh, sword yeah. uh, like um i don't know what you would call it kind of like a tonfa if you know what that is like a tonfa gun thing that he's flipping around mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah who who fights finn uh and just calls him a, a traitor um yeah. and i think that that's the only time he comes up in any of the movies yeah. does he die in that scene i think so yeah. yeah yeah but he was just a really cool because there was clearly a mystery element to yep. him that was really intriguing and a hook and yeah mm -hmm. Um, so that was one that was well done because of a cool um, intro, and that was one that was overdone, I mm -hmm. think. Um, and the the danger maybe isn't that with a particular character you go over top with the intro. It's more likely that you continue to introduce all of your NPCs in this kind of over-the-top way. Um, you know, it can, it can work once or twice or rarely, uh, but not every NPC. Mm -hmm. you know, in a puff of smoke, the blacksmith appears. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd love to see that. Just a town. <laughs> a town that you deliberately, everyone is just f***ing Houdini. Well, if you play a campaign where Lou runs it, um, you'll probably experience that. <laughs> yeah, I'm reminded just, maybe this is way too many on the hook intro stuff, but Lou had a character where um, an NPC who was pitching us an adventure, and he said, Lou at one point said, like, so, so someone grabbed him, uh, this NPC, and tried to interrogate him or something. And Lou said, well, when you do that, shit flies out of his eyes. And he meant like a laser beam or something like that. Mm -hmm. And we all laughed and said, oh, sh shit, really? And, he, and then he just goes, yeah, it's actually shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> so shit flew out of his eyes. And that made him for, uh, I don't remember much about that campaign, but I remember this guy. Because mm -hmm. two things happened that were hilarious. That was one. So mm -hmm. shit flew, flew out of his eyes. And another one was like in... Um, when uh, Obi-Wan kind of joins the force, his robes just fall to the ground. And that happened to this character. But then he walked back into the <laughs> bar naked. <laughs> That's pretty uh, great. So it was one of the best intros to an adventure ever. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So that was, that was the hook or an intro. So have a good, effective um, hook or intro. Um, the second thing is uh, the voice. Yeah. And uh, so... If you can do voices, um, then do voices. And you don't have to be a master um, of improv or anything like that to do voices. I mean, Victoria's really good with the spy voice. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I like to use voices. And even if I don't know that they're particularly good, I like to use voices. And yeah, I think uh, part of like what makes a voice land or not is um, like if it's clear that you're putting some effort into it and you do it with confidence. So even if you're not doing it well, like if it's a bad russian accent mm -hmm. as long as you're flowing with it you yeah. know and apparently uh, so victoria says i'm pretty good at doing creeper voices that's true 
I think every NPC that he's done a voice uh, in our campaigns has been a creeper voice. And then just like normal people are just his voice. He doesn't do a voice for them. I don't think that's true, but um, I do like creeper voices. Let's, let's go through the list. Let's do this. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite voices is from um, Knights of the Old Republic. I can't remember if it's in one or two, but the mm -hmm. character is HK-47. Um, and this is not a huge spoiler, uh, but you know, he's a certain type of droid, uh, that you encounter. And it turns out that he's actually an assassin droid and he has a kind of proper British accent. Mm -hmm. Um, and in his very proper British accent, he delivers things like, um, he, I wrote down one of his quotes cause it's so good. Uh, he says, indeed, I am most eager to engage in some unadulterated violence at your command, of course, master. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's just him saying these ridiculously over the top things about how he's going to destroy and kill things because that's what he's designed to do. Uh, but with, you know, a proper British accent. Yeah. It's pretty nice. It's pretty uh, slick. I like HK-47 a lot. Uh, I had a voice one, if you don't mind. Yeah. Uh, so in Critical Role, I mean, they're all voice actors, so mm -hmm. they all have, like, a bag of tricks at their disposal. Um, but a lot of the the merchants that they come across end up being extremely memorable, even though they're done on the fly. Like people will just be like, is there a uh, blank? Um, and yes, there is. And here's this ridiculous voice that mm -hmm. I can pull out of my, you know, my hat. Mm -hmm. uh, and so one of them is Victor, uh, who's a, a black uh, powder salesman. Um, and he's just the most ridiculous uh, like, I, I think there was, like, no preparation for this character. It was just a voice, and then he added things onto it. This is Matt Mercer, the DM, who just added things onto this ridiculous voice that he did. But he's one of the most memorable merchants that they come across. Uh, so I think even if you don't have a good plan for a character, if you've got a good hook uh, voice um, that you can inform more decisions about your character on the fly. Uh, that's a, a really interesting way to create minor NPCs. Yeah. Good. Um, I think, by the way, that... <clears throat> so, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but I suspect that um, if you're a voice actor, um, then... So the next characteristic we're going to talk about is go for familiar things. Um, and so uh, I imagine that voice actors probably have certain go-to voices that they've done in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and so they... I imagine that even if it seems like it's done on the fly, it's probably the product of, you know, a lot of preparation uh, mm -hmm. for the role. Yeah. Um, so maybe it's even a character that he's uh, based off a character that he's done in the past. Yeah, um, that's true. Most DMs probably don't have the repertoire to do that many voices, make them all memorable. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, if you are a voice actor, then you have that ability to call upon. Um, so in my case, um, I call... So you, you can just draw on films mm -hmm. uh, that you know. Um, or you can draw on like real world people uh, that you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I tend to like to do um, kind of amalgams of characters from where I'm from uh, or from Texas uh, <laughs> <laughs> because I've lived there too. Um, Floridians don't really have a distinct voice in my view. So, uh, yeah, Southern, not really. But, <clears throat> um, but Pennsylvanians, especially where I'm from, have a, a certain way of speaking. And uh, shout out to the. Uh, Palmerton area in particular for the <laughs> Pennsylvania Dutch uh, that I sometimes use. And um, yeah, then in, in Texas, I mean, there are just so many good, memorable voices and ways of speaking. Yeah. Uh, those are, those tend to be my go-tos. Uh, and they're either, they're not exactly real people I know, but they're kind of collections of people that mm -hmm. you would encounter. I mean, maybe sometimes the characters are identifiable as who they are, but 
or roughly who they are, what kind of person they are, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, they tend to be like exaggerated parodies mm-hmm. of people, not, you know. Yeah. Um, so if you're in doubt and you need a go-to, just go with something you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, the last, like, so where to start designing effective NPCs is to kind of anticipate, the, I'll call this one the usual suspect. So anticipate the kinds of NPC that you're going to have, that you, you should have ready. Uh, so in most of the campaigns that we played recently, our party was heading immediately to um, apothecary, magic shops. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> in most of the campaigns that we've done recently, uh, the party has tended to head toward um, the apothecary or magic shops, and then maybe third, weapon shops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if they come into a new town, you should, I mean, you had better design an NPC uh, or be ready to present mm-hmm. an NPC who has the, who serves those roles in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Any thoughts there? Uh, nope. I think that's pretty good. That's a, a good way of thinking about it. And I think not just merchants, uh, mm-hmm. like you, you can have people who are interested in gaining knowledge. So you might yeah. have like a, a scholar, um, mm-hmm. sort of place or a librarian or clerics or some sort of healer. Uh, those are pretty common, uh, anticipated uh, needs for towns when you're creating them. Thieves Guild, if you have a rogue in the party, yeah. uh, they'll almost certainly want to connect with some thief, which almost certainly means you're going to need uh, a barkeep uh, at yeah, the tavern. That's true. So, so those are the kind of things you should be ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so just quick recap on where to start. Um, an interesting hook or an intro for the character. Um, come up with a voice if you can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe even a cool appearance. That might be a good... You yeah. know, mm-hmm. sort how of they hook. look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, go for familiar things uh, so you don't feel like you're just going to throw a voice out there and be uh, worried about whether it's going to land or not. Just just do just it. Just throw a ton of spaghetti yeah. against the wall, mm-hmm. just all of it, and see what sticks now. And then um, the usual suspects. So this is just be prepared for these types of character or these particular roles. Um, yeah, and then you're not surprised. Like, so, oh, hey, is there, like, a paper merchant in town? You're like, oh, yeah, there's a paper merchant. (laughs) (laughs) That is a pretty weird one, unless you've got, like, a wizard. Yeah. But. Um, And so, um, yeah, magic shop for spells and things like that would be more likely than the paper one. Yeah. Okay. Um, Moving on to the next stage, which is, so you have an effective start, but now you're wondering, well, do I have enough? Uh, to run this NPC. And to run this NPC just means to have an encounter play out in which your PC or PCs interact with the NPC. That, that's all I mean. So to, mm-hmm. run, to run the NPC just means um, what's the NPC going to do in the actual game. Uh, and so uh, maybe a kind of quick checklist. Um, I, I think a, a general rule of thumb is that um, less in the beginning is okay, uh, but you might want to start building onto this. If this is a character who seems like they're going to continue to recur, um, then you had better flesh out more. Um, so the first step, I think, is um, if there are some key key plot points, uh, those are things that you should prepare about the character. So if they're simply a shopkeeper and that's all they are and that's all they're going to be, then you don't have to prepare very much. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they end up having certain key information um, or if they're you know a kind of demon in disguise or something like that <laughs> that's stuff you should probably know really early on with the character yeah i feel like yeah. that um that's a hard one to like tack on to the end of a <laughs> yeah uh oh by the way yeah mm-hmm. um so um 
key uh, plot points are just like, why are you encountering, why would the PCs encounter this person? Mm-hmm. Um, and so here I was thinking of, um, sometimes I, I don't even re- remember how NPCs enter the game. Um, and I, I do remember in one of our, like our 3.5 game, the party ended up recruiting uh, three NPCs. Mm-hmm. Um, and two of them I think are pretty memorable. One of them is this ranger named Rothgar. Um, and he's been with the party almost since the beginning, yeah. maybe since like the second or third adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just looking through my old notes and I found how he entered the game. And it was just, I rolled, um, I found a random uh, rumor generator online and one of them was a ranger has um offended uh a burgermeister uh and so that ranger ended up being rothgar um and then i worked in and in, that was all i knew about him in the beginning um and in fact the way the scenario played out that burgermeister was someone that the party was working for and he ended up uh i think offering a quest to the party to essentially do away with this ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they met the, the ranger and they found out that he wasn't worth killing. He was actually a pretty good dude um, and was claiming this magical item as a kind of payment for uh, all of his party dying. Um, and he was going out to seek some vengeance. And so they recruited the ranger, uh, may even have paid off the burgermeister, so he was okay with it. I don't remember. He somehow or other came to terms with him. I mean, there were some other elements going on with the Burgermeister that I think uh, we didn't quite pay him off, but we mm-hmm. uh, we solved it. Yeah, um, and so and that was the character again with them almost from the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, and he ended up playing a key role, um, being part of this adventuring party where they found all these dead adventurers in a crypt, sort of, and those were all his companions. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, and that's not stuff I knew about Rothgar when I created him. Um, yeah, any uh, thoughts on key uh, plot key points? or? Um, I think, uh, so I've heard this argument, I haven't GM'd before, mm-hmm. so I, I'm not super familiar with this, but I've heard this argument that you shouldn't create a storyline, you should create um, places and people mm-hmm. for people to experiment with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you do need to sort of think about how stories tie together. So I think that that is um, an important part to, to keep in mind uh, when you're thinking about key plot points that yeah. come first is, mm-hmm. um, is this character connected to any other possible narratives? Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, when we get to Hack and Slash, we'll talk about what I don't mean here. So key plot points means, yeah, like what are the kind of pathways that this character could open mm-hmm. uh, for the, the PCs? Yeah. Um. Okay, so the next characteristic I have, um, when is enough, uh, you should probably consider in some degree uh, what are the character's um, titles and responsibilities. Uh, because the greater their title and responsibility, um, probably the more you have to flesh out. Mm-hmm. And so currently the one party that we're running uh, has helped this young boy uh, kind of what exert his claim uh to the throne Mm -hmm. and so uh, his name's aldrich and he's his coronation date is coming up uh and so right now he doesn't exactly have title or responsibilities but very soon he's going to have a lot Mm -hmm. uh and so when they first encountered him all i needed was a backstory about like well why he thought he had a legitimate claim on the the throne um and those sort of considerations um but now a lot has to be fleshed out. And so actually the purpose of this campaign, it seems, is to just figure out, well, what's going on? Uh, the scenario is 
there's a vacant throne. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a council sitting in place, and now there's this boy who's kind of making his claim to the throne. That's the scenario. So what are the PCs going to do about this? Uh, because they have a certain reason to be invested in this kid. At least one of the PCs does. Um, and so, so what are they going to do with that? That's the big question here. Um, now, uh, Aldrich, this boy, he becomes important because if he becomes king, all of a sudden we need to know a lot about him. So what exactly are his uh, responsibilities, mm-hmm. um, and how is that going to shape in your interactions with him? Any thoughts on that? Titles and responsibilities? No, I think that one's pretty straightforward. Um, you got to know what their restrictions are as far as like, hey, can you come adventure with us is a common thing that NPCs might be asked. And mm-hmm. if they've got yeah, too many responsibilities, it, it wouldn't always be uh, feasible for every NPC they run across to yeah. be able to, to drop what they're doing. Even, even if they're not like a high lord, uh, if they're a dad or if they're mm-hmm. a single parent or if they're... Mm-hmm. Something, you know, what yeah. responsibilities do your NPCs have? Hey, or a mother. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, maybe uh, remember uh, Claiborne was an NPC who also, I, I said that there were three NPCs that that one party interacted with, and two of them I think became really memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one, I can't even, rem- I can't remember his name. I can't remember his name either. Is that the dwarf that you were trying to yeah. think of? Yeah. <clears throat> He's a dwarven cleric and they hired him because they have no healers. Yeah. Just, we just um, needed a cleric. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it turns out that he's a very war, warrior-like, warlike um, mm-hmm. cleric, and yeah. he has a sun blade, and he fights for the sun god, and he's, he's interesting in that way, but he's not nearly as compelling as the other characters, I think. Yeah, and I think what made the other characters really compelling is also, like, what the MP, or what the, the player characters did with what mm-hmm. we were given, because uh, yeah. Claiborne especially, uh, we had a, a character who... I think jokingly made a like a an innuendo towards him, and mm-hmm. then it, it spun off into this whole like in canon relationship between mm-hmm. these two uh, characters that yeah. I don't think was part of really the planning or anything. But you you allowed that to happen, right. uh, sort of. You you made him <laughs> receptible to that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so Claiborne's story was um, he was away from adventuring. I think he was drinking at the time, but he was a paladin, and his idea was that he had somehow um, lost the favor of his god. Uh, and so he was bummed out about this. And that's when the characters met him. And he was a kind of throwaway character just in the sense of we didn't, there was no, there was no story behind that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then over time, uh, Claiborne became really good friends with this one character uh, mm-hmm. and uh, stayed with the party and fought. And it wasn't until, so the party kind of abused him a little bit and kept sending him to the front of fights. It's true. And, um, Eventually, because of his bravery, he so he was reluctant to do this. But then I just decided, um, if he's a paladin and he's lost faith uh, with his god and he's trying to prove himself to his god, uh, one way to do that is to just you know suck it up and go to the front and fight. Uh, and he was nearly killed in a fight, and then that was what regained his god's favor for him. And then Claiborne left the party. Yeah. Um, and it was a good time for him to leave, but it was a, a sad time uh, for the party. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was good. And then I um, possibly introduced him as a corpse later, and the whole party was super sad about that. Yeah. But it wasn't him. Or was it? Was it? Wasn't it? Was it? Wasn't <laughs> it? Was it? Wasn't it? Uh, so titles and responsibilities there. As a, as a paladin, um, that fleshed out immediately. Like, well, what kind of things would Claiborne be looking to do? Um, mm-hmm. Help some people, serve some people, and then try to get back into the good favors of his god. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, so... We haven't talked about one of your characters that you like yet. Um, 
So um, I don't know where he um, where he falls in motivations, activities. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know where he falls in. Uh, that was definitely one. I think that that would have been a good one for um, usual suspects. Okay. Because uh, I was playing a ranger oh, yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. Um, who had found this pin um, that would let me speak with plants. Uh, so I would just use that shit up because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was there. Uh, so we had some pretty humorous, uh, discussions with grass, uh, mm-hmm. before that and like other things. And, um, I think we were, this is when we were going to fight the wyvern mm-hmm. that we still thought was a dragon yes. maybe. Um, and we were heading towards the mountain where it was, and there wasn't a lot of, uh, like, you know, we didn't know the whole story yet. So I decided I would speak with a tree near like in the direction like we knew that this was kind of close to where the wyvern was um so i I spoke with a tree and dad beautifully uh provided us with chris pine the pine tree um and there's so many details that i can't even i don't even know where to start but that was definitely a usual suspect because i was pretty bad about hey there i have this let me let me just use this Mm -hmm. um to see if i get anything from yeah, so that's one of those things where um, that's not a usual suspect for most parties. But, yeah. but as soon as someone gets something like that, then mm-hmm. you should know that they're going to do that. So um, Aaron, played by Jeremy, was always going to look for a spell book or something like that. Um, and Victoria, which was your character? Rowan, Rowan. the ranger. Rowan, the ranger, mm-hmm. was always going to. With Hrothgar, the ranger. <laughs> Hrothgar, it's H-R. <laughs> So uh, was always going to speak to plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, it just made good sense. It's a pine tree, Chris Pine. and yeah. yeah. And he was a pretty, he was also a good character voice, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even, I, I can't quite his remember voice. his voice, yeah. but I remember it being pretty, and not just accent, like not like just the, 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 like the voice he did, but like just what he would say was, I think, also pretty fucking hilarious. Like, oh, nice. yep. Yeah. I'll be here, sort of shit. Like, of That's course right. you will. He's your tree. <laughs> but he made me super sad because he was like such an awesome character, but he's a tree. Like, I can't, yeah. you know, unless I'm it's just going to live in that area for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, as a ranger, you could establish a sanctuary um, and that could be your place where you hang out. Or maybe you could uproot him and take him elsewhere. That was the discussion, I think, with a lot of us was, should we chop him down and take him with us? <laughs> But uh, he was a tree, like a, a tall tree, not like a sapling yeah. or something. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, Good conundrum to be in. Um, so the next characteristic, um, like when, when do we know we have enough, um, is when we've answered some of the key motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not always important, right? So mm-hmm. if you're at a blacksmith and you're looking to buy or sell, um, then the motivations Almost certainly, I, I mean, almost never matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am reminded of a recent adventure where um, you, I don't know if you remember, but you encountered that dwarven uh, blacksmith in the town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he had a, a problem with elves. Yeah, um, and we had an elf in the party. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and so that was something that played out in not an awful way. They, were just, they would just glare at one another. As it was pretty, yeah. yeah, humorous. It was... Weirdly funny racism, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it wasn't kind of abusive, whatever. Yeah. Um, it could just be a kind of tension that existed. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but it, but it even in this case, it drove him to join the party and kind of prove his worth. Uh, so the party goes out and was looking to um, find a missing kid. Yeah, find a missing kid. And so then he he proves himself. He's like, well, I'll go and do it. So yeah. I'll show you. Um, and so you know you can play these things in ways that they're not awful. So, yeah. So that's what we did there. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, motivations, uh, and so uh, sometimes these motivations evolve over time. So um, that idea that with Rothgar there was just this kind of conflict that was in place, and all I knew was that he had offended the Burgermeister. But as the story played out, it seemed that he was actually in the right here. So even though he had offended someone, he was the person who was in the right, and then his motivation became um, seeking vengeance uh, for his fallen comrades. Mm -hmm. So. Not something that you needed on the first encounter of that rumor, and that's how it started. Yeah, um, I don't know if you had a, a place to talk to this already um, mm -hmm. in mind, but we had talked, like, the first time we were, like, discussing the, the NPC was um, managing how much effort you put into um, NPCs, because mm -hmm. there's only so much, like, time between sessions or... Um, uh, like mental energy you can put towards uh, NPCs. So I wonder if you've you've got any um, suggestions because I've never DM'd mm -hmm. um, for how to know. And I assume that this changes from session to session. Like right. after we play a session, you'll have a better understanding of where we're going. Mm -hmm. But you've still got to have kind of like a wide berth of paths for us to follow. So do you have any tips on how yeah. to manage like the effort that you put into one uh, NPC versus another? Yeah, um, so I, I think you have to take some cues. One of them is, like, which are the NPCs that you're interacting with? And I think this is actually the effective use of downtime, right? So mm -hmm. um, either just as you finish up your session and before people leave, I like to ask, hey, what are you planning to do next time so I can prepare? Um, and when people don't answer, then it, it becomes a little hard, right? Yeah, so, um, or when we change our minds in yeah. between sessions, like when you had a ton of shit planned and then yeah. we decided to go fight dragons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that, you know, that happens. Yeah, um, it does. Yeah. And I take it that you don't want to just say no. Um, it You could warn the party. Well, I mean, just so you know, like if you do that, like that'll be about the end of this adventure, mm -hmm. um, This maybe even this group. Um but I, that, I don't like to do that. And so, um, yeah, I had planned a lot based on um, the end of the session. The group came up with what they wanted to do next, so I planned that. And then um, they changed their mind. Um, and so we had to do something very different. And uh, that was a case where if they really wanted to fight dragons, um, I thought one possibility is then they fight a dragon and then the party's dead. Uh, and then we uh, go on to other things. Mm -hmm. um, or I gave them this adventure that they thought they were fighting dragons and they weren't but i hope it was still pretty interesting it did really change what we were doing because there was another what i thought was a really cool npc um who had been having showdowns he was the guy if you remember who was using these hand gestures and raising all the dead yeah um, the the work that yeah, one yeah the half work um oh yeah. half work i thought he was just work right so you, there's a lot you didn't yeah know there's a lot i didn't know was, yeah um, so they had encountered him previously, and he had always um, escaped and sent undead after them in the process. Um, and so they were building up to find a way to take him down. And they were like, hey, let's go fight a dragon. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of our party wanted easy, morally justifiable violence. Uh, I might be right. Yeah. And some of us, when you would present, like, moral conundrums, they'd get exasperated. Mm -hmm. So. I think that that's what it was. They wanted something that was a clear, we need to fight this. And even then, I still kind of 
tried to like figure shit out and they probably still got frustrated with that. I think that's one thing to yeah. uh, think about, right? So um, the better you know your party, probably the, the easier it is to prep. Uh, but one of the difficulties with that party, one of the challenges with that party was that while two of them had never played before, uh, one of them had almost never played before, right? Mm -hmm. um, so Lee, I don't think Lisa and um, Jeremy had ever played before. Harris had only played a little bit. I think Lisa might have played before. Okay. Yeah. I think she had, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so there just, there was not, and, and his party had never come together. Yeah. Uh, so those provided certain challenges. So, um, you know, asking before we do a, a session um, and then uh, having a structured downtime so they settle on what they're doing. And especially with that, in the last one we talked about, um, card-based um, downtime, um, that's like the prep, like we're about to set out on the mission, let's do the prep. And so that's that's in place and that should determine at least your starting point. Um, so those are ways to kind of minimize the amount of prep that you have to do. Um, I think you're right. Um, sometimes there was little to no prep to do with any NPCs, but um, you know, once Aldrich's coronation takes place, for instance, uh, there's going to be on one hand, a lot, because he's going to be doing a lot. But maybe yeah. on the other hand, not so much, because the party will find it a little harder to interact with him when yeah. he's being a king. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so those are some of the kind of things to think about. Um, I, I can't offer concrete prescriptions like do this and this and this. Yeah. But one general tip I would give is to uh, learn how to use um, spreadsheets or something like that <laughs> uh, and track what NPCs do, uh, in fact do. And that will get, kind of give you help you develop a clearer and clearer sense of and what their motivations are and what they're aiming for. And then you can think about, well, how would they go about pursuing those goals? Good? Yeah, sounds good. Cool. Um, so that's motivations. And then um, the last one is activities, right? And this is, you know, aside from this character will be at their shop from, you know, sunup to sundown. Um, where else might you encounter some of these characters? Uh, what are things that they're going to be doing in their downtime? Are they always going to be available? Mm -hmm. um, or are they going to be out and about and doing things? Um, and so the more adventuring type the character is, uh, the more that they won't be around where you're looking for them. Um, the more tied to a particular job that they are, the more they'll just be at their job but utterly unavailable if they want to be able to you know, pay the bills and things like that. Yeah. Um, so those are some activities to think about. And you know, often you don't have to have any idea what NPCs do for most of their time. You just need them for like the one hour that they're sitting in the bar while PCs come in. Yeah. 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 Um, I was thinking of the, um, that uh, adventure with um, the one about the wheat mother. Mm -hmm. um, that was a case where the party really went in a way super different from what I imagined was going to happen. And they ended up recruiting the whole town to go and solve the mystery. Uh, and so it was a case where I definitely didn't have everybody's day planned out. Like, so what would they be doing and what would they have to, to turn away from in order to do this? Um, but, you know, it was my adventure. I'd written it. I'd written the scenario. So I was able to kind of figure out what people would do. And there were some people who just straight up said, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm not going to go look for the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, let's run that down again quick. The um, the when is it enough? I mean, if there are kind of key plot points that you want to give to your characters um, mm -hmm. or that you think they would want or they'll pursue, then you had better uh, be clear on that. Um, and thinking about their titles and responsibilities, that can help you flesh out those. Um, maybe we could call those like, those like keys or paths, right? So they 
based on what their title and responsibilities are, that tells you what their uh, connections are and what they're likely to be able to do and what they're likely to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the motivations, um, what else do they want? Um, yeah. So what is driving them to do the things that they're doing? Yeah. And then um, what activities, just what are they doing on a daily basis, fleshed out however particular you need? Yeah. Um, and I think it might also be a good idea to um, not over plan a character to the point where they're inflexible. Because mm-hmm. um, I think as a player character, it it's cool if um, like stories can line up in ways that you might not be able to foresee. Like in the instance of uh, Claiborne, um, the paladin who ended up in kind of in a relationship, uh, that was something I think was just you left that space or there was already you know a space there Mm -hmm. for that to happen yeah Um, so i think being flexible as a dm is important uh, or it seems important Uh, so you don't want to like micromanage every detail of an npc to the point where if the players want them to to do something that your micromanaging has sort of negated uh it can get Unfun, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, um, do you want to go into Hack and Slash now? Yeah. So we are about to enter. Hack and Slash. Hack and Slash. All right. So um, actually the first thing that I have is these are just things to avoid um, mm-hmm. when you are making NPCs. Um, and number one, actually number one I think is, uh, it's not even what I have on here, but uh, um don't be a jerk uh, with your NPCs, right? So don't make a, an NPC who's clearly making fun of, you know, a player uh, or something like that if they can't handle it, right? If, if, that, okay, if that's not yeah. something that they're in for, right? Mm-hmm. Not that they can't handle, but if it's something that they're in for. Um, and so if that's the nature of your game, you're playing a funny game and you're you're okay, everyone's okay with a bit of joking like that, um, then do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't be mean-spirited about it. Don't ruin somebody's RPG experience because you want to make fun of them or someone dear to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a good first step. Yeah. Um, the next one is actually railroading. Uh, and so um, uh, I don't know when people started using this term for it, but railroading is essentially where you force people to follow a very particular track. Kind of mm-hmm. like a, what are those things called? Um, oh, railroads. Uh, so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> So uh, what does this mean? In, what it means in terms of the story is really clear. Like, you have to do this thing, um, and if you don't do this thing, you screw up. And this thing, by the way, has to be done in exactly this way. And if mm-hmm. you don't do it in this way, you screw up. Um, there's maybe a place and time for that, but that's definitely not what I'm looking for in a role-playing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, how do you railroad uh, with an NPC? It's by having um, <clears throat> sorry, these uh, very rigid and very, let's see, repeated interactions with characters where they have to keep interacting with characters and they have to do certain things in order to get the result that they want. Mm-hmm. Um, or worse, like where, where they have to get the result that you want, right, as a, yeah. As a GM. Um, yeah. I hope that, so um, I think that's something I avoid doing. Um, it's, um, I'll be honest, it's sometimes frustrating. Uh, and so you just want to tell the... Um, you just want to tell the party, like, look, there's nothing else to be had here. 
so there's, there's, you're not going to get anything else. Um, so go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. as a, a player character, it can sometimes be very tempting to just keep trying, even mm -hmm. though you know in the real world you can't, you know, just try 50 different ways to, mm -hmm. to get somebody to tell you something. Um, I even... Yeah, so one of the dangers of making a really interesting NPC is that players will tend to be like, we need this person now. Um, and, and so even if they were kind of like, I, I would say, a throwaway character, now you're like, all right, now I have to design. Yeah. <laughs> or now I get to design, I guess would be the positive way of thinking mm -hmm. about it. Now I get to design a really cool backstory for this character who, whatever, sells trinkets. Mm -hmm. uh, we, Jeremy wanted to buy trinkets all the time. He would just go to places to find trinkets. And so mm -hmm. in addition to... The normal shops, it was always, what are the trinket sellers selling? <laughs> <laughs> um, and not just what are they selling, but what's their story? He was pretty good about looking into their background. So, mm -hmm. um, Yeah, so don't have these forced, repeated, rigid interactions with characters. Um, that's no good. Um, this is why, I, I think this is one of the reasons why people shy away from block text in adventures. Um, I don't have a problem with block text if it gives... Uh, if the purpose of it is to give a GM um, a sense of how the character is. Right? Mm -hmm. So this is how the NPC operates. You don't have to read this, but understand that this is, this is, what, this is the kind of thing they would say. Mm -hmm. And now develop your version of this character based on that. So that's yeah. how I think of block text. You don't have to read it. Why would you have to read it? Yeah. Um, if you don't know what block text is, <laughs> it's when you read an adventure or a module or a scenario um, and there, uh, there's what's going on. And then it used to be back in the day that it, there would be a, a block, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it would say, read this text. And it was basically like in a computer game. So when the character stands here, read this text. When the character does this, read this text. And it was very prescriptive in that way. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not how I think of block text anymore. Read it or don't. Make it your own. And that tells you what the NPC is about. Um, so this is a case where maybe this will, this will show how, when we started playing, when I started playing D&D, I was pretty young. Um, and one of the things that we liked to do was just fight people who wouldn't give us what we wanted. Uh, and so yeah. in response to that, um, our GM, this was Scott, um, he just started making literally every NPC we encountered so powerful that they could destroy our party. And I mean, you know, a cake shop owner was also a 20th level magic user. Mm -hmm. um, and I understand why he did it, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't think that's a good idea. So not every character is so powerful they can't be overcome. I think a better way to handle this as a DM or GM is to think, uh, well, you, all right, you just killed the insignificant baker in town. And guess what? That's like the fifth insignificant baker you've killed. Uh, and so now there's a, a group of adventurers that has gotten together to find out who's killing the bakers. <laughs> and now you have a group of NPCs coming after the party who could be more powerful than the party. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe they're going to win out and maybe they're not. Um, but, you know, that's either justice uh, or, or it's a, a good story element. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, don't you don't have to thwart everything the players want to do, even if it's something you think they shouldn't be doing. Um, you can, you can do it in this other way. You don't have to design every NPC to solve that problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. a problem I see. I could see you doing that occasionally. The like, this is just a merchant. Please don't kill this mm -hmm. merchant. Um, yeah. Occasionally, yeah. but it, you shouldn't like define how players play the game. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, they should understand that there are consequences. Yeah. to like real world consequences. So um, killing all the bakers, or that's not something this party does, but. Um, 
I don't know. I can't even think of an example where this party runs into that problem. So yeah. that's good. Yeah. No, I think the party's diverse enough. We, we balance ourselves out a little. Yeah. Um, uh, there was an interesting, well, that's, that's a different question. There was a kind of party versus party thing that kept going on where someone was stealing something and someone was trying to steal it back. Max, uh, that, Max and Biram were kind of stealing things back and forth. Um, yeah. That's funny. I, so I remember when we were playing, I was like, everyone's got so many secrets. Like, what's uh -huh. going on? There were just, like, notes being passed across the table. Yeah. And, like, no idea what yeah. was going on. It was a little frustrating because I didn't have any secrets. But yeah. It was, it was funny. <laughs> funny to learn that it was just that. Like, just people stealing stuff from each other back and forth and... Maybe we'll talk about that at some point. So the um, maybe P is for party, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. And so maybe we can talk about party dynamics uh, mm -hmm. there and talk about some do's and don'ts. Um, and again, do's and don'ts just in the sense of if you do this, understand that you could destroy your party. So don't do that maybe. Yeah. yeah. I had a quick, I don't know if this is going to be in the episode or not. I don't know how relevant this is, but you're talking about um, you haven't had to do that. But I think there was a time... When I was just, I didn't want to fight anything. Like, I wanted to find a, a, a solution that wasn't fighting for everything. And I remember there were, like, these skeletons in this basement mm -hmm. that you were making super likable, but people were just attacking them. <laughs> okay. But you kept deliberately kind of looking at me going, and so I don't know. Oh, I'm just a skeleton bubbling around. And I don't know what was going on with me that day, but I was just, like, not in the mood to kill stuff. Uh -huh. And so you doing that, it felt like you were trying to, like... Kill like, some skeletons. Yeah, kill these goddamn skeletons or realize, like, like everything, um, everything is going to have some sort of likable quality. Not everything. It's easy for me to make stuff likable. It, um, it is. Yeah. You do it deliberately, and it was uh, very frustrating that day because it wasn't yeah. quite my decision. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, right. So two things about that, right? Mm -hmm. Um so I I'm not a fan of the um this is a skeleton, it must be killed. This is a whatever it must be killed. This is mm -hmm. a whatever it must be killed. Um I don't and this is part of like didn't we talk about um alignment at some point? Yeah. We talked about morality or justice. One of mm -hmm. those justice, justice, I think. J is for justice. So go back and check out J is for justice. Um, I don't buy the, I, I don't, I don't get it, right? So if a skeleton is a kind of unintelligent creature um, and it's driven by impulse or something like that, and mm -hmm. um, well, then I just don't know that you have to kill all the skeletons. I think skeletons could be likable. Yeah. Um, you made them super likable. <laughs> uh, now, the other question is about, um, let's see. So I think a more common problem for PCs is that they're way too willing to kill stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so there is a, a massive disagreement in our party, that party, mm -hmm. about um, how frequently we should be killing stuff. So I think two of them are of the mind that stuff should always be killed. <laughs> I just realized the juxtaposition of those mindsets that you just laid out. Yeah. Like, as a kid, yeah. you'd kill bakers over nothing. And now you're like... Our party's way too willing to kill skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, this is part of the objection with alignment. Uh, so, yeah, this is a little bit of a detour, but let me, let me make it really quick. Okay. So if you play a game where um, there's literally this component that is called alignment and you have chaotic evil mm -hmm. bakers, um, 
I get it. Bakers? Sure. Scott, what the heck? Why? No, no. Like if you so if you read a lot of um, adventure modules from like um, Dungeon Magazine, for instance, or box sets, you'll see that just people in mundane positions are just like chaotic evil, lawful evil, neutral evil, and also of course good and neutral. But the idea is that there are just, in, in my view, there are way too many evil characters in Faerun, which is Forgotten Realms world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I, I kind of get it. Like if you're going around, if there really is this characteristic that is, just, hey, just, just so you know, like, this is an evil character. Um, I kind of get why characters want to chop down all those evil people. I just don't think that there are that many evil bakers, like that uh, evil people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not how it works. And that's not how it's worked historically. Uh, that's not how, uh, even in fantasy worlds, it, you know, it, it's not like they're, like, everyone's evil. Evil humans in Lord of the Rings, that's uncommon. Um, orcs and trolls, those are the evil things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one of my objections to alignment. I, I think it preps you or uh, primes you for that we got to kill the, we got to kill some evil stuff mindset. Um, and so... As playing a game where alignment was so important, I got it. I like. I, I understand why you might want to do that. I just don't think of people that way. I just don't think that there are that many evil people out there mm-hmm. who are doing that stuff. And so that's why my mindset has changed. I just I don't buy that that attribute alignment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so um, so sometimes your ranger's unwillingness to kill has been awesome for the party. Mm-hmm. I think it could also be bad for the party at times, right? So I mean, it's not always the right thing to do to be lenient or to whatever, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of results, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so I do like to make things likable. Yeah. Because it bothers people a little bit. It gives you a, something to think about. The likable skeleton. I was already thinking about it, though. It was only affecting me. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe it was, but I'm, I actually think there's at least... Um, one and a half other people in the party who tend not to think about killing stuff all the time. Yeah. Maybe two. Yeah. Anyway, like, that was just a, a detour from you were saying you wouldn't, ha- you didn't have to do that sort of um, redirecting. Like That's true. Uh, but I think you kind of did. Yeah, that might be Just true. a tiny bit. Yeah. Yeah, you might be right. Mm-hmm. Um, Long detour. What were we talking about? We well, were still we on were, Hack and Slash. No, well, we'd uh, kind of oh. gone through the characteristics. Oh, that's true. Um, memorable NPCs. Um, so what is an NPC, a non-player character, um, where to start, some kind of hook. Yeah. Some kind of creepy voice. It's gotta be creepy. It's gotta be. Hello, this this is another voice I like to use, which is basically a philosophy professor I had uh, (laughs) at Florida State. Has Nevins been on the, uh, podcast? No, I don't think he will be today. You don't want to? Okay. (laughs) Um. No, the yeah, no, it's fine. You can okay. do whatever. You can keep it. Um, there are a lot of yeah voices that I like to do. Um, I think we grew up in like in my household. We grew up like making all of our animals have voices. Like uh, and so now, yeah, it's you not do ours. have like a, a good repertoire, and I like all of your brothers uh, have kind of similar voices. But uh-huh. it, it's funny to see the the sort of progression of <laughs> how you guys came up with. Because I think Buff Buff doesn't have that many. Uh, like he's got one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Chris has uh, like at least as many as I've seen you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's funny to see like you guys learning from each other yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. You know, the, um, going back to that idea of where to start and the voice, this 
I don't think this is too much info, uh, but uh, so my older brother, which you just referred to as Buff there, I'll, re I'll refer to him as Lamont. Um, oh, sorry. That is his sorry, name Lamont. Nickname. Um, when we were young, like we were super into sports and we would, we would watch like football games and we would record ourselves announcing those games. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, and then you kind of cultivate, like you start um, what... Uh, behaving like emulating uh, kind of sports casters and things like that um, and then not doing your voice and so that's I don't know maybe that's where we got started that's in really doing cute. different voices I like that uh, a lot yeah pretty hilarious mm -hmm. I bet there I bet he, he might have those like cassettes still those are little cassettes you, recorded onto cassettes yeah I like it um yeah and so that's don't that's worry, one of the ways we'll get that footage for you now <laughs> And uh, if you go to a small town, this is probably the voice you're going to encounter when it's somebody who's uh, like a, a yokel. A yokel. <laughs> yeah, one of the locals. It's probably that voice. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, so, and I don't know that those are fantastic voices, but um, they're pretty natural for me to do, and mm -hmm. maybe that's fun. Uh, and so, uh, or, or make it something familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, so the spy voice is a slightly high-pitched voice. It's uh, not actually that much higher than my voice. It's just, you know, <laughs> what I did one day it stuck around. Uh, a lot of my voices tend to go towards the southern because that's, do. yeah, it's mm -hmm. just what I, I grew up in. Crown. 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 Uh, um, yeah, and that's, yeah, that's true. So we were in Pennsylvania, we were in Texas, now we're in Florida, and so we've had a decent repertoire of samplings to take or you know yeah. de decent range of things to take from um yeah yeah so that was the where to start also the usual suspect stuff yeah and then we talked about when is it enough um you know there is a danger on one hand to be way under prepared mm -hmm. uh, but there's also this danger i think the more serious danger is being way over prepared just because if you as a gm uh, invest all this time in a particular character um and it doesn't land with your players, yeah. um, then that's, you know, you could become resentful. So don't over-prepare. Uh, just what is this character? Uh, what are the characters they're likely to need? What are some quick uh, key points that they could be invested in? Um, what are some possible titles and responsibilities? Um, and the, and maybe you don't even need that, right? So this is just a weaponsmith. This is just a baker. This mm -hmm. is just a whatever. Um, but then um, as the characters continue to interact with those NPCs, uh, maybe that's the time to start fleshing them out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I think uh, GMing, it, it's a good idea to be pretty on top of your improv skills. Um, mm -hmm. So in that sense, like, it's if you're good at improv, you can get away a lot more with being underprepared. But I think being overprepared, it's just something that it, it's going to cause a problem at some point. Yeah. It's going to be too inflexible, too railroady, or you'll be kind of frustrated if something doesn't land um yeah i would say um so i i'm someone who's kind of dubious about these all-encompassing skills like uh, uh, improv as a skill maybe uh, but it might just be that um it's just practicing over and over and over at doing those type of things like so thinking about different situations thinking about these go-to's mm -hmm. um and so uh, like so sometimes here's i i think a similar point uh, people talk about there are good public speakers um, and there are not so good public speakers. Um, but I'm someone who didn't want to public speak when I was young. Uh, but then 
like and I hated speech classes. But then when you become a professor, you have to do it every day. Um, and so it's it's not that there's a kind of general skill, I don't think, for public mm-hmm. speaking or improv. It's just being practiced at doing it in a bunch of different scenarios. So mm-hmm. if you stand up and uh, do this thing over and over and over again, I, again, I don't know that it's this general improv skill as much as it's um, like you have improv in this way and that way and that way and that way and that way. And now you have those experiences um, to call upon. Um, yeah, and I say this just as someone who, like if, if I have to teach new material for the first time, I don't think I'm an expert at presenting that material. And so maybe some improv people feel the same way. I mean, there might just be geniuses of improv who can just do it, but I bet a lot of people, um, they're not improv savants, right? They actually yeah. have to work at it to get really good and comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just to say, I mean, I think we'd give the same advice, which is just work at improv then. Mm-hmm. Uh, run ideas by people out of the game uh, or people who aren't playing, mm-hmm. uh, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I started playing these games, um, I didn't have the online community that now exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's so many resources now uh, for exploring and honing your skills at improv and DMing and GMing and game running generally and, and doing different voices. And you, you can, you know, now record yourself and post it and get instant feedback like, hey, is this a creepy voice? Have <laughs> <laughs> you done that? No, oh, I haven't. But, that, but, but I mean, that's you, really know, cool. you can do it. Yeah. Uh, so... That is something that we would strongly recommend, or I would recommend at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything yeah. else? Um, no, I think we, we covered it. Did we go all the way through uh, When is Enough in the recap? Did we get titles and responsibilities, motivations, mm-hmm. and activities? Yeah. So the, in the hack and slash, um, don't be a complete a-hole. Um, don't yeah. railroad. Um, and, and the... Specific one here was don't make NPCs too tough. Also, probably don't make them too easy, right? So think about realistic <laughs> kind of scenarios. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good. Sounds pretty good. Again, I think that the key is always what's going to be fun for your party. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, there's definitely, um, just with what I listen to and what we play, uh, there's definitely like a difference between... Uh, critical role where they take it kind of seriously with some some jokes but there's still like uh, a heavy like we want con- uh, consequences to mm-hmm. our actions sort of gameplay mm-hmm. versus uh the podcast uh the adventure zone mm-hmm. where they are comedians first so they'll throw jokes just at everyone and if there was a consequence for every sort of like oh, bullshit yeah. kind of joke that they did they would there wouldn't be a story uh so that is a, an important part of know know who your players are you know can i i'll do a little story quick which Go was a good it. um so uh i was talking about lou's adventure that he ran earlier mm-hmm. and i was talking about that one npc who had those two awesome scenes yeah in that very same adventure this is the only other thing that i remember about it um we the party got together and started the adventure and he had this floating face appear to us and say, turn back now. <laughs> Yous guys will never win. <laughs> uh, and we did. You did? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> good, and, uh, good, good show, y'all. And he wasn't thrilled with the fact that we abandoned his adventure. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, no, so, wait, wait, I didn't mean wait, it. wait, wait, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and I don't believe that we um, finished that adventure. Yeah. So mm. um, that that was a whole playing, but you know, yeah, that was something to deal with. In you know, those were we were like teenagers and stupid, and that was maybe a problem with oversaturation of RPGs because we played so much and so many different campaigns mm-hmm. uh, back then that it was easy to uh, kind of get. No, that's enough. Yeah. So turn back now. You use guys will never win. I'm like, all right. We turn around. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> wait, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't mean it. Hang on. I, I mean, come back, guys. Wait, you, you wait. Guys, use guys might win. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> um, yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. All right. So, what we have done today is listened to N is for NPC. Talk through what a non-player character is. We did the um, where to start. Um, that was part of our pitch. Uh, when is it enough? That was part of our pitch. And then the hack and slash. Um, and so at this point, it's probably a good time for us to say that I have been Travis. This has been Victoria. And you have been listening to Dungeon Shadow. Hello, sailor. Thanks for listening to episode 14. If you want more Dungeon Chatter, please check us out at DungeonChatter.com or follow us on Twitter at at DungeonChatter. And if you liked our show, it'd be super cool if you left a review on iTunes and told your friends who are also into RPG stuff, or maybe curious about RPG stuff, or maybe completely indifferent to RPGs entirely, but you think might still enjoy this. We definitely appreciate it. Our next episode, O is for Origins, will be out in two weeks on Monday, April 29th, so we hope to see you then. Thanks again for listening, Sailor. Sailor.